Yo, what's going on? This is For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host and one and only Tay Jordan. You can find me on Instagram at one underscore Tay Jordan. Again, that's one underscore T-A-Y Jordan like Mike. And uh, this is For the Culture Podcast. You can also find our handle at underscore For the Culture. That's underscore the number four T-H-E culture with a K. And for the culture podcast is where I get to sit down with millennials, movers and shakers of the culture that's doing their thing, people that's representing and doing great things in the world. We got something for everybody, man. Everything from film, sports, music, television, uh, all forms of entertainment. Well, scratch that. Not all forms of entertainment, y'all. Chill out. I don't really get off into the adult entertainment uh, atmosphere. But uh, yeah, man, we talk financial literacy. We talk business. We try to normalize black wealth trying to highlight, you know, movers and shakers that's doing their thing, you know, representing for the culture. The culture is everything. But uh, this is episode four. And in this episode, I got a really, really special guest, Samuel Dosing. He grew up in Brooklyn, New York, BK, do a dive, my home away from home. But uh, he currently resides in Los Angeles. He moved there in 2016. Samuel graduated from SUNY, SUNY from Dona in 2013 with a degree in business administration management. He has spent the past five years recruiting staff for various public charter schools. He is a graduate of the Real Estate Associates Program, Project REAP, and he has plans to transition into commercial real estate. He is a real estate investor and podcast host. Shout out to Black Dialogue. If you haven't listened to that podcast, man, it'll change your life. If you're interested in real estate, um, definitely check out Black Real Estate Dialogue. Um, but yeah, in the future, he plans to develop an extensive real estate portfolio, and he has he he wants to inspire others through the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. I was really excited to conduct this interview. I've been listening to his podcast, Black Real Estate Dialogue, since its inception. Actually, I was one of the early listeners, and. Uh, Sam has always been receptive. You know, anytime I reach out, he's always show love. You know, there's a lot of people that's Hollywood, but Sam isn't one of them. He's authentic. He's genuine. And uh, he's doing his thing, man. And uh, he's actually a newbie real estate investor. So I thought it would be a good idea to sit down with him, speak with him on his journey, because I know uh, it's a lot of people, you know, that look like us that, you know, has aspirations in getting involved in real estate investing and you know, they have this fear that they don't have enough money, they don't have enough time, or, you know, that's reserved for people that don't look like us or people that's born with money or has some type of inheritance. Uh, that's not the case at all. So all of those fallacies, you know, I just felt like speaking with him, you know, he is a success story. So hearing his perspective and experience can hopefully, you know, motivate you and inspire you and uh, give some realism. You can see that it's realistic, it's real. Um so yeah, no further ado, you know, I get to gibbering and jabbering and going off at the mouth, but uh, we're going to hop right in. Again, this is For the Culture Podcast. Thanks for your support. The culture is everything. Started as a seed that grew inside a mama. Learned our victories and everything that we conquer. The creativity to switch the gears like karma. Now I wear our history like it's a badge on us. From sports to the music to teachers, from students, we made this, we do this. Our greatness is proven. And we gon' level up more until our excellence is ever. And listen up, ladies, gentlemen, everyone with some melanin It is the one and only Tay Jordan. This is episode four of For the Culture podcast. I have a very, very 
special guest that I'm really excited to speak with today. I appreciate his time. He is Sam Dosine. He is the host of the Black Real Estate Dialogue. He is a millennial mover and shaker that's doing his thing in real estate investing. I'm really excited to have a really great conversation with him. Um, so with no further ado, uh, Sam Dosine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I was very excited about, about this interview, so I appreciate you reaching out to me. Sure enough. I appreciate your time. And hey, I don't want to, uh, I should actually this from the get-go. Uh, I don't want to mispronounce your name. Did I pronounce the last name correctly? Uh, Dulcine. Dulcine. I, yeah, okay. So I, I figured I was like, I was winded back and forth. Yeah, like, this is fine. So I'm like Dull and then Scene. Like, Dulcine. Yeah. Dulcine. Okay, so cool. I seen you. <laughs> right, 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 got you, Docene, Mr. Docene. Okay, so um, I want to talk obviously about your journey in real estate, man. I've I've been listening to your show. I know it's a new newer show, but uh, the exponential growth that you've had has been a very an inspiring one. But uh, if you could just, we're going to obviously talk about that. But beforehand, take us back to the beginning. If you could tell us a little bit about where you're from and mm -hmm. your, your upbringing a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I live in Inglewood, California right now. I've been in California for almost four years. Okay. But yeah, grew up in um, Brooklyn, New York. Um, had both parents, uh, two other siblings. So there are three of us. Okay. Um, you know, and we, we grew up decently. We had, we, had what, we had what we needed, right? We didn't, we weren't rich. We weren't poor, poor. Like we, we, we did okay, right? We had what we needed. We had clothes, we had food, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, come from a family of faith as well, uh, so I grew up in the church also. Um, but yeah, I mean, my childhood was pretty cool. Um, you know, it was fun. Like growing up in the city, it's a, uh, it's like no other. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up, grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, stayed here my whole life pretty much until I went to college, mm -hmm. and then stayed here for a couple more years, and then moved out to California. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, my upbringing was pretty. It's pretty cool. Okay, Brooklyn, New York. Okay, okay. Yeah. You know, I used to live in Brooklyn. I lived there for three years, actually. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. But, uh, just growing up, just being the music person that I am, I'm just like, oh my God, I got to get to, I got to get to Brooklyn. I got to get to Marcy Projects. I got to visit. But uh, I actually lived, <laughs> not that I wanted to live in Marcy, but um, I actually yeah. lived in New York for three years. Are you, what part of Brooklyn are you East from? Near, okay. Uh, I'm from, uh, so I'm from Omil Basin, so right near Canarsie. So okay. it's like right, right on like the borderline of Canarsie, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. Um, so I guess it's like okay. South. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I guess it's like South Brooklyn. Um, you're like the Belt Parkway and all that. Um, and you know, it's interesting. Kind of reminds me, like when we first moved to this neighborhood, it was mostly white. So I was probably like seven, eight years old. But over the years, it's it's done a switch. Like you know, I walk around, I take walks when I'm home, and it's mostly black people, really. Like the white people who are there they are older or, you know, they've been around for a while. Um, but yeah, mostly it's, I mean, I, it seemed predominantly black to me. Um, so the, it's interesting. The demographic of the area has, has shifted a lot since I've been here. Yeah. You know, that's a really good area. I actually, I was a real estate agent in Brooklyn and nice. uh, oh, that's a really, really good. Tell your parents never that's to cool. sell, <laughs> never to sell. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, why Cali? I know, I know. As you said, you met, you've been there four years now. What what brought mm -hmm. you to Cali? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I visited LA for the first time in 2014, and I was visiting a friend who I went to college with, who had lived there. And I'm a life. I'm a. I've been a Lakers fan since I was like nine. So, uh -huh. LA was always on a bucket list. I never went on a vacation as an adult. So that was my first vacation as an adult, really, just having a job and stuff. Um, and so we went out. We had a great time. And, you know, when you travel, sometimes you say, oh, you know, I think I think I want to live here. But you, you never think it's actually going to happen. Right. So um, a couple of years passed and, you know, I got a job opportunity out there and, you know, it just came down to I had my list of pros, my list of cons. And it just came down to, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Mm. And in my mind, the worst that could happen was that I would hate it or would, something wouldn't work out. Mm -hmm. I could just come home. Um, and so I packed a couple of suitcases and August 22nd of 2016, I, I head over to, uh, to LA and, and the rest is history. Uh, so been nice. in LA for, uh, almost four years going on four years. And, uh, it's been, it's been, you know, ups and downs, but it's been a pretty, pretty solid experience so far. I've learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, living on the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. It's, now, was it a, quite an adjustment for you culturally even? 
Oh, without question. It's yeah. there's LA and New York are not similar at all. Mm. And, um, I think the first thing was just kind of figuring out myself socially because I had a friend there. I had four people who I knew from college okay. who ended up out there somehow who lived in different parts of the city. So I didn't really even see them that much. Mm. Um, my initial friend who lived out there, we, um, we hung out because we were living close at the time in the first place I was living. Um, but then I ended up moving to Inglewood because, you know, I experienced some, I experienced quite a lot of racism in my first, where I first lived in California. Really? And, yeah. And so I just got, I got out of my lease. I just told him I wasn't comfortable living there. I found somebody else and I moved to Inglewood and that's kind of when everything got better, you know, mm. socially, just meeting the right people, being around people who look like me and not kind of like feeling isolated. Um, and so I think the last, the last like year, the last two years I say I've been really good socially. Um, and just as far as like opportunities and such, just meeting good people and, f you know, finding a network of friends. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been overall, it's been a really great experience. I mean, LA is a great city. Yeah. Um, a lot. Okay. So what that, that first, the, the first area that you lived in, what area was that if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it was called Glendale. Glendale. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's heavily Armenian, which I didn't, which I didn't know. Okay. I was supposed to move in with one of my friends who was also living out there, but it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I was working in downtown LA at the time. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for something within like 10 miles. And okay. so long story short, that was just one of the apartments I found. I didn't have too much time because uh, originally I was in an Airbnb in Pasadena for mm -hmm. about, I guess, like three weeks while looking for an apartment. And my time was coming up there. So I'm like, look, I'm like, look I got to find something. And so, yeah, I ended up in Glendale. Um, it's a beautiful area. I was, you know, downtown Glendale. It was a great aesthetically. I mean, it looked great, but right. I didn't know about the other factors of it. And I didn't, you know, all the experiences I had there, I, I mean, there was no way for me to tell. I mean, I'm not from the city, so I don't know yeah. where I'm supposed to live at. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I was only there for about less than a year. I was there for maybe four months. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I'm you got up out of there. I feel I you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got up out of there real quick. Um, but, you know, it's part of the learning experience. And That's true. Hey, you, it happens, right? For sure. You know what? You said something key there just about it being part of the learning experience. Props mm -hmm. to you for, you know, just because you had a little bit of adversity when you first got there, you could have easily just caved in. It's like, oh, screw this. I'm going back home. You know, mm -hmm. they're, L.A. is racist, but you didn't make that generalization. So much respect yeah. to, you, to you for Definitely. sure. Definitely. I appreciate that. I yeah, would have yeah. regretted it if I came back because yeah. that was that was one of the turning points for me, just being mm -hmm. a different part of the city. <laughs> yeah. So how is yeah. living in Inglewood, man? Like, yeah. I mean, I, not that I live my life through TV, but like yeah. I, Inglewood is like historic, especially yeah. as for black people. So like, just can you just speak a little bit about the culture yeah. and what your experience been like? Oh, Inglewood. I love Inglewood. Inglewood is amazing. And uh, one of the big reasons I moved down there. So when I was getting ready to move, I looked at the past census reports. I'm, I'm just kind of like a data person. So mm -hmm. I looked at past census reports and I looked at demographics um, of different parts of the city. And, you know, Inglewood wasn't really a place I was looking at necessarily. Okay. But I, I met a guy, I was out with a friend and we met these guys. I don't even know where, where we were. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, where you live at? I'm like, oh, I live in Glendale. He's like, why you live in Glendale? You should move to Inglewood. Um, and he's just telling me all about it. And I never, I think I hung out with that guy once more. I never hung out with him again after that other time. And so I spent a whole Sunday just driving around, driving mm -hmm. on all the streets, all the blocks um, in the morning and night. And I'm like, wow, you know what? This feels like home. Like this yeah. reminds me of kind of like more of what my feel is. Mm -hmm. And so it's been it's been a great experience. You know, we have the the stadium coming, the Ram Stadium that's mm -hmm. coming. Um, we have like the train lines that are coming through. There's a lot of new developments and and cool restaurants and stuff coming to the city. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also is located optimally. It's located fairly close to downtown. It's located close to the airport, close to the beaches. Um, you know, close to the South Bay if you want to drive further south, not far from Long Beach. Um, so I think the location is great. Um, but it's also, it's, it's, I mean, it's just a cool city to live in. You know, I really like Inglewood and, um, you know, it gets a bad rap just mm -hmm. as a lot of areas get because of, sure. music or because of music, mm -hmm. uh, but it's cool, you know, it's, yeah. um, you know, uh, it's funny you watch the place 
uh, from in, like when I watch Insecure, it's like I see a lot of places, either mm-hmm. just in LA in general, but even in Inglewood, you know, because they mm-hmm. um, there was a street they shut down called Market Street, and mm-hmm. they said it's for the the um, Insecure taping. So just being around stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I think is really cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, it's been cool to see the city grow mm-hmm. in the three years I've been there. Wow. And, you know, I'm just excited. You know, hopefully I can stick around and you know be there be, be there for the long term um but yeah i mean it's gonna hit a whole new dimension when mm. the train line because it's gonna be a train line coming through that goes to the airport wow um, the that's game changing yeah and the stadium is set to open up i think this fall so um yeah i mean i'm excited i'm excited to be around for it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i love the city you know the part of the city i live in is pretty cool it's, it's pretty quiet um but it's close enough to to action now, being that the mass transit is is changing there and um, there's going to be some some new things developing there, h- how is it as far as demographics in Inglewood? Is it gentrifying in turn? Is it is it a predominant? I imagine it's a predominantly black community, but is it you know whites and others moving in, or is it like even Stephen? What would you say? That's a good question. So it's mostly um, black and Latino, but it is changing. It's definitely gentrifying. Um, you know, some of my neighbors are 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 white, um, but yeah, you just definitely. You know, I've I've been going for walks and stuff since the, the quarantine stuff is happening. More more walking than I usually do, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of white families kind of working really? hard and moving in. Um, so yeah, it, the demographic definitely is changing for sure. Okay. Um, from what I can see, uh, so I'm curious to see um, the new census results and and how how that's changed. Yeah, my only concern was that I would just hope that I mean, obviously, we know the Cali prices is already astronomical. I would just hope mm-hmm. people that look like ours, us aren't being displaced. You know, that's always the concern there. But um, yeah. okay, and you said something interesting there too, as well as terms of, uh, you know, like rap music and the things we see on TV and movies mm-hmm. giving things cities in particular a bad name. Like, for instance, I just listened to your podcast with Ray Sean Scott speaking about yeah. Chicago and you talked about that exact same thing. Yeah. I think it's important that we don't live our life through t- television in these reports that the media give us. So, I agree. yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that experience. Of course, um, thank you. Okay, so let's talk about, let's dive into your real estate investing journey. First thing first, what got you involved in real estate? What made you make that leap? Yeah, so it's something that I always thought about, but I thought I, I thought I needed a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, all right, you know, at this point in life, I'll have saved up this much and I can get this, I can get that. I didn't really know much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the turning point came when I realized that I was playing with like my 401k, right? Just looking at the calculator and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was that I calculated it for when I was set to retire, let's say regular retiring age, right? Okay. And the money wasn't going to last that long. You know, assuming I make the increases steady, whatever. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, this this is not, this ain't cool, right? Yeah. And so I knew real estate was something I was interested in. And from that moment, I'm like, all right, cool. In X number of years, it ended up being a year, but I said in about two years, I need to save up enough and, and buy something, you know, whether it's out of state, which it ended up being, or whether it's in California, mm-hmm. I need to figure out a way to grow my income over time so that I'm not dependent on my 401k. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. That's what sparked it. It's okay. something I was always interested in, but you know, that turning point, led me to kind of turn the switch on and start doing research and really immersing myself in it. And then, you know, ultimately getting a property. Gotcha. Now, what year was this? That yeah, you- so um, I had this realization in 2018, it's 2018 okay. in the fall. Um, that's kind of when I started doing a whole lot of research. And then I ended up buying a prop, buying a property in October of 2019. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so can you walk me through that? Walk me through that first deal. What did that look yeah. like? I mean, I already know the story, but let's tell, yeah. tell the listeners. Yeah. So um, my first deal was a single-family home in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And um, pretty much, uh, I guess a few months before that, I had real. I decided that I wanted to make my first investment out of state, and so I kind of just immersed myself in all that information. Um, you know, just learning about how to do it, talking to people who've done it. Okay. Um, looking into every long distance resource I could find at the time, bigger pockets and mm-hmm. podcasts and things of that nature. Um, and so obviously I need money, right? So I had to figure out, okay, how can I afford it? Like Rich Dad pointed out, how can I afford it, right? Yeah. Um, so I did two things. The first thing I did 
was put my student loans into forbearance. And that was, and I was paying a pretty, I was paying, I had a pretty high monthly payment. So I knew if I could do that for a year, I could save a lot of money. So that's okay. the first thing I did. And the second thing I did was, okay, I need to figure out how to expedite this thing. As I mentioned, my timeline was two years, but okay. I registered that poor dad and I'm like, all right, I need to figure out how I can afford it. So I called my retirement plan and I said, what are the options for withdrawing and different things like that? So based on the withdrawal, I didn't want to pay all those taxes, but they did tell me about, about a loan. They said I can borrow up to 50% of what's inside of the account. Okay. And so I said, okay, let me think about that. And something else I realized was my employer matches uh, 3%, mm-hmm. but I was contributing 7%. Smart. Now, the difference between 3 and 7%, if I dropped it back down to 3 would cover the payment for the loan. So my personal cash flow wouldn't be impacted. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to drop the contribution down. That gap will make up for whatever this monthly payment is on the loan. And I'll have enough money to buy a property. So I did those two things like in the spring and I didn't really know where I was going to buy. I was looking into some places in the South. I was looking into some places in the Midwest. Um, just nothing really hit yet. And, um, I listened to a podcast. I forgot the name of it. Um, but they had like advisors who could help you with turnkey properties. And I also decided I wanted to get it turnkey because I didn't want to manage a rehab from long distance on my first deal. Maybe, maybe not ever. Uh, now, just, I'm sorry to interject there, but uh, turnkey for, for those that's not familiar with that term, yeah. can you explain a little bit what turnkey? Yeah. So turnkey pretty much means it doesn't get, it, all the rehab has, all the rehab has been done. It doesn't need any work. Um, there are definitely pros and cons to turnkey. One of the cons is that you are most likely buying at a premium and more, more or less, the property is in many ways being flipped to you because the seller has already done the work. They get to part, they take advantage of the appreciation and so forth. Um, now, the upside is that if you don't want to do rehab, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about anything. It's already done and there's not deferred maintenance and things like that. And so early on, there's not really going to be much that needs to be fixed. It's pretty hands off. Um, so there's definitely pros and cons, but I decided, you know what, this is the only way that I'm going to pull the trigger on something if I buy it turnkey. So I'm like, you know what? Okay. I'll pay the premium. We'll start, we'll start there and then we'll just take it from there. So essentially at a turnkey property, you're essentially buying it at retail. Yes. You're buying it at retail. Gotcha. You're buying it at retail. So I think, I think mine appraised for like 3000 more, um, than the asking price. So, I mean, I had a little bit of equity, but it's yeah. not going to be, you know, you don't win as much on the buy with the turnkey property because like I said, you're buying at a premium, you're not buying it below market value, which is mm-hmm. typically what real estate investors want to do, which sure, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, so but yeah. you didn't have the headache of trying to, you know, you, you realized that you didn't want to flip this, to, you know, so right. you had the, the, the luxury of it being, you know, rehabbed already. So you didn't have to yep. deal with the headache. So I guess for a first yep. deal, would you do if you had it to do all over again? Would you have bought Turnkey? Was it enough added convenience? Yeah. I would have bought Turnkey, but I would have gone with because I bought it through a Turnkey company, and a Turnkey company essentially they buy properties, they rehab them, and they sell them to investors. Mm-hmm. At the time, I knew for a fact that is the only way I was going to feel comfortable getting something out of state, just getting okay. my skin in the game. Um, and it still met all my requirements. It still had the cash flow number that I wanted, like all those things. Um, okay worked out but um yeah i would shortly after i closed on the property i started meeting people that's the day that ironically the day that my podcast debut debuted is the day that i closed on the property which was crazy Mm -hmm. Um, and so um i started meeting people online so i met investors who invest in dayton when i put that post up Mm -hmm. Um, i have a post of me like signing the papers or whatever with a notary um so i met people from dayton and or who long distance investors who invest in Dayton and we're talking about the prices of our homes and like, yeah, you know, I paid this. And I'm like, that's like a third less than me. Did you have to do any work? I didn't have to do any work. I just put some paint, I just put some carpet in and painted, but here's my realtor's number. And now they're sending me and my business partner deals. So Mm -hmm. the thing is like, I took that action, right? But if I didn't take that action, 
Mm-hmm. All the opportunities, all the connections I have over there, the boots on the ground, I would have none of it if I said, you know what, no, this is too expensive and this, that, and the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would say. Uh, would you like yeah. me to break down anything Yeah, else? yeah, for sure. Definitely dig into that. Um, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, so, I, not that I'm a stalker or anything. Like, I, I, I know the story, but I would love to hear yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so um, you're probably also wondering why in the world Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, as I mentioned, the podcast that I was listening to, they had investment advisors who can connect you to turnkey opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I, I emailed them. I said, hey, you know, I want to buy a property. This is my timeline. We got on the call. They connected me via email to a company in Memphis and no, to a company in St. Louis and a company in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. And long story short, St. Louis didn't reply to the email. Dayton replied to the email. They got on the phone. Um, they sent me a presentation just about the city. Um, about the growth and all the things that are happening, all the metrics that um, investors look for. So like job, jobs, um, different things come to the city, revitalization, so on and so forth. And they said, hey, you know, if you like what you see, why don't you come out? You know, we'll take you around to see some of our properties that have been sold. Mm-hmm. We'll take you around the city. And so I went out to Dayton in July, mm-hmm. in July of 2019. I spent a weekend there. Okay. And I spent a whole day with someone from their team. And this young lady took me everywhere. She took me all over the city. She took me to properties they had in different stages of rehab. So okay. properties that were fully gutted, properties that were mid-rehab, and properties that were done and sold. So I was able to see the whole, their whole pipeline and kind of what the finished work looks like. And I like the finished work. And they, had, they kind of had a template. Like, no matter where in the city it was, it was very consistent. Okay. And um, I also did my own exploring. You know, I just kind of walked around the city, did like, it's a small city, as you know. So I yeah. did everything there is to do in just in like a day. Um, but I'm like, you know what? They, they're not salesy. You know, we got back to the office after the tour and they said, this is what we have available. This is what's in the pipeline. How do you feel? What do you think? And no one tried to like push me or pressure me. I just kind of looked at the numbers, analyzed them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I like this. I like this one. And I like this one. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, cool. We got you on the list. We'll let you know when it's ready. Wow. So that seems forward. pretty seamless. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And then fast forward to like September mm-hmm. and the one that I wanted, a cash buyer purchased it. And the second choice, which in hindsight should have been my first choice, was the one that was available. So I got it under contract and we closed in 30 days, which was a marathon. So, you know, I found an inspector from somebody on bigger pockets. He was fantastic. He was fan. He was like, I called him up recently. Like, Hey, if I have another deal in the pipeline, you're I'm, I'm calling you up. Um, So he's a part of your tribe now. Part of my tribe. So, um, he was fantastic. Like he made me feel really comfortable because up until that point, I only saw pictures of the property, but obviously with pictures, you don't really know what the deal is. Sure. With an inspector, for those who are kind of newer to investing with an inspector, you, you should know every single thing possible that's wrong with the property. And he was amazing. He was, he did it with a fine tooth comb, like stuff wow. that this is an exaggeration, but let's say for example, there was like a scratch on the windowsill. That's the level of detail he went into. Wow. And so though it was rehab, there were a lot of problems and some that were kind of serious. He categorized them in, in he categorized them by severity. And so basically I kind of, con, you know, I, I, I looked at the, I saw the report and I sent the sellers, I want you to fix this. Sure. And we, 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 we compromised and we settled on things that, that they, they, they would be willing to fix. I was satisfied with all of them. The other stuff is like little stuff that you don't even really need to maintain or just, just little things that are not going to harm anybody. They're not going to mm-hmm. impact it. Mm-hmm. So from there, they sent me pictures as often as they had updates, videos of different things like water, if there was like a drain or whatever. Um, and so that whole thing happened. But during that period of time, the lender is asking for every document possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to, I was already pre-qualified, but I had to send a whole lot of information to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, work with the title company and all type of stuff. But, you know, we closed on the 15th of October and I had someone moved in by, the beginning of November. Wow. So less than a month you had a tenant. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, it's, that's awesome. That's yeah, really the cool. The rental market out there is hot. Like the yeah. rental market out there is hot. 
And here we're going to take a quick break. This is for the culture podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the underscore for the culture. Again, that's at underscore the number four T H E culture with a K and also make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. It's really hot. Yeah. Just to rewind there, man, I just feel like you said a lot of good things there. So just Mm -hmm. from the beginning in terms of, you know, making a decision, I'm going to firm go get into real estate. I, I'm, I am determined to do this. Then you did the research to figure out a way, okay, how am I going to finance this? How, how can I do it in a way that makes sense? And the fact that you even put yourself in position to do that, you know, uh, putting your loans into forbearance, I think is a, is, a, is a big deal. Fast forward to, you know, you're doing a due diligence and the research and getting them put into contact with, you know, the, the turnkey companies, what was it, two in the Midwest, one in the South. And the fact that you, it just was a, as, as, as random as one company didn't reply, the other company did. And it just goes in divine order. I think that's really interesting. That's, that's really cool. So, yeah. oh, okay. So, so Dayton, Ohio. Um, so I, like I'm from Ohio, obviously, but, uh, and I went to Ohio university, but it's not too far from Dayton actually. But, um, and so your property, is it in the city or on the outer skirts, like the suburbs? It's in the city. So it's like two and a half miles from downtown. Okay. Which is why I should have just got that in the first place. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So do you, so moving forward, do you want to continue to, um, snowball effect and invest in Dayton or are you going to venture other areas? I would like to. I would like to. Uh, want me, uh, me and a friend of mine I grew up with, we formed an LLC um, to buy property in Dayton. So we've been looking for a while. Okay. Um, financing has kind of been trouble, like challenging for us uh, as far as finding lending and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I would like to. I like Dayton. I like the direction the city is going in. Um, but I mean, I'm open to other markets for sure. I'm not definitely not tied there. That's interesting. Uh, Dayton, I, I, my friend, he uh, invested in, what's that, Trotwood? Trotwood, Trotwood area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah further a little further west closer okay. to the west side of the city yeah. oh and he's been trying to get me down there so my buy and hold properties are in cleveland and i wholesale yeah. in pg county in baltimore in in uh-huh. dc and cleveland and i'm just like oh you know i don't know but uh listening to your podcast and you just talking about dayton i was like man my friend been telling me for years to come down to trotwood to come down to dayton and i just haven't done it so that's that's interesting um okay so i wanted to talk a little bit about for a lot of people that's, you know, you mentioned that your experience, you thought that you needed a lot of money to invest in real estate. Um, a lot of people feel like, well, another thing, not even just the money, people feel like, oh, well, I don't own my primary resident. Well, let me ask you, do you own your primary residence? No, so, not yet. Okay, so I want to talk about that. A lot of people has reserva- have reservations. They're like, well, I can't invest and then I don't own my primary residence. So can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh- the truth is you can, you know, you can, you can, right? So, you know, I live in LA, which is expensive, but it's definitely a place I can invest and I plan to invest, you know, I plan to use like FHA or something. I do in the next 12 months to get a multi-unit out here. Nice. But, you know, Are you familiar I, with Living Rent Free? Oh yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, we're actually we're pretty good friends. He was on okay. my, he, I interviewed him. I don't remember the episode, but yeah, I interviewed him and yeah, I was actually talking to him last night. Yeah, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause and up until his, in, uh, I don't know if I heard him on your show. It might've was your show. I listened to like all your episodes. So probably more than Thank likely you. was your show. <laughs> so I just was like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, he's doing the damn thing. Like I didn't even think that was realistic. Like $800,000 property. Cause even when I lived in New York, I'm like, those numbers are, you can't even like digest those, but like mm-hmm. to hear his story and the fact that he's, he's making it happen and he's cash flowing even, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, he's inspired me too, for sure. Like I told him like, you know, I want to buy in LA. I didn't think it was possible, but I've, you know, I've learned a lot more about these down payment assistance programs and just mm-hmm. seeing his story and what he did. I, you know, told him like, yo, you're inspiring me. And that's my next goal. You know, that's, the, that's something that I want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can rent and own where someone else lives, you know, that doesn't mean you won't own one day, right. but you know, people do it all the time, you know, it's kind of just what's best for you at a particular point in time. And, you know, that was best for me based on what I knew at that time. Um, and then later on, I learned about ways that I could invest in, um, learn about ways that I can invest in a, in, a, in an expensive market like LA, uh, okay. which I plan to do. So, you know, I think it's part of the journey, right? Like if I didn't make, like making that move opened up the world for me, it opened up everything for me. So, you know, you have to do, you have to do something 
Yeah. Or you have to do something. If you don't, if you just sit idle and you don't take action on something, you know, the world won't open up for you. The world, the world is waiting for you, but you have to take some action. Um, so that's what I would say. So I know you mentioned earlier that you, uh, kind of thought about going into other avenues and you, I hear that all the time. I'm a real estate person. I believe in diversification, of course, but at the end mm -hmm. of the day, I think real estate is like the, the best wealth builder. Um, if you don't mind me asking, what was some other things? So you hear so many things, you hear e-commerce, you hear stocks, you hear all this other stuff. What was the other thing that you were uh, thinking about going into? Um, at the time it was just real estate. Okay. At the time it was just real estate. I didn't really know much about e-commerce, but I mean, of course, like I'm in it now, but at the time, like real estate was kind of like the default. That's just kind of what made sense to me. And, you know, I've thought about different business ventures in the past or, you know, in the future, like having my own company of some kind. Um, but yeah, at that particular time, it was pretty much real estate. That's what, that's what I had in mind. And, okay. you know, my thought was like, all right, eventually I could live off of the cash flow. It can cover my expenses down the road. Okay. So that, that just uh, goes into my next question. What really is your goal with the real estate investing is the plan? Is it just your retirement plan? Do you want to build up a, a passive income to where you can walk away from your job? What really is your goal with real estate investing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So I definitely, you know, for me, it's like my retirement plan. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to build up enough cash flow to cover my expenses um, I don't plan I don't plan for that to be my only stream, but I plan for it to be a really big stream over time. You know, I kind of see my parents just working hard their whole life and they don't have much time to enjoy, you know, and they're getting they're getting older and I'm just thinking about the life that I want. You know, for me it's all about options. You know, right now I have a nine to five and you know, if that thing if it didn't work out, which is happening for a lot of people right now there would be a limit to the amount of time I, I, that I would be okay, right? So uh, for me, it's about just building up that security so I can have options, you know, in the future, when I have a family, you know, we, we can work on what we want to work on. We can work because we want to, you know, mm -hmm. we can be at a job if we choose to, and hey, I might work a nine to five for 20 more years, who knows? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I don't want it to be something that I have, have to do. I want it to be something optional. So for me, uh, real estate investing is a path to freedom. It's a path to options. And, you know, I want to leave something behind for my kids. You know, I want to leave a legacy behind for my kids, for my family, and for them to build off of, you know, if they want to maintain their portfolio, great. If they want to, um, you know, sell it off after I'm gone, that's great too. You know, as long as there's a plan for it, mm -hmm. um, you know, they should plan to put that into other investment or into business ventures. Um, but they need a base to have, they need a, they need a base, right? They need mm -hmm. a springboard to jump off of. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, it's just about, building that springboard, you know, building that opportunity for my family to have options. Yeah, no, that, that's real. I definitely do think it's a, it's a gateway to freedom and, you know, just a springboard foundation that it allows you to, to have, I think could just like, you know, that's everything. That's everything. Yeah. So, okay. Um, obviously we know the statistics, it can be bleak, but uh, talking to people like you and that's in home ownership and that's black, I think is very refreshing. But just to talk a little bit about the, the, the pressing statistics, um, according to the Urban Institute, 48.8% blacks own homes compared to 71.8% of white families. Um, like I said, we know the despairing numbers and the, dis the discrepancy. Um, uh, one of the episodes I was listening to, you spoke a little bit about this. A lot of people were familiar with, you know, redlining and stuff like that uh, but one of the things that stood out to me stood out to me you were speaking about racially restrictive covenants um, can you talk a little bit more about that for those people that's not familiar yeah so essentially at a certain period of time um, it was legal to restrict to restrict so basically in every house has a deed right mm -hmm. at a certain period of time it was legal to include in the deed that this home could never be sold to a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it included Jews, it included um, you know, Mexicans, it included African-Americans. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we couldn't own homes mm -hmm. in many areas. And it's funny. And this was a legal mandate. Legal, yeah. This mm -hmm. is absolutely legal. And um, I went to an event actually in LA, in Culver City, and it mm -hmm. talked about the real history of Culver City and there was a white woman who found that kind of verbiage in her deed. Now it's no longer enforceable, mm -hmm. but she found it in her deed. 
Wow. And so there was like an open dialogue about that whole thing. It was very tough to sit through, but it was mm-hmm. cool to have a community of black, white, and otherwise having this dialogue. Um, and so that was honestly one of the motivating reasons for everything I'm doing right now, um, because we have a lot of catching up to do. That's just the fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. It was for a long period of time, we were kept out and blocked out of certain opportunities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have an opportunity now to, to push forward. Um, but yeah, that's essentially the gist of what that is. Yeah. That's interesting. It, it just, I, I can't even say wow, or that I'm shocked. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the fact that this happened in our country. And a lot of it, unfortunately, you know, st- it's, it's still um, a disparity in terms of home ownership. A lot of stuff is still happening right be- beneath our chin. But, um, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I-, I wanted to talk about Black Real Estate Dialogue, your podcast. I love it. Ever since yeah. I found Thank it, you. I'm like, man, I got to follow this guy everything. I want to watch every episode. I got to listen to every episode. It's, it's really great. Uh, for those people that's Thank not familiar so. with Black Real Estate Dialogue, can you speak a little bit about your vision behind it, your goal behind it, and why you started it? Yeah. Uh, so how did you find out about it, by the way? You know what? I first if you found, remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I first came across it your personal page on Instagram. I think you were following somebody and like maybe you commented and I, I'm just weird. Like I click on other people that I follow and I have followed you and that yeah. led me to <laughs> like, I think that's how it happened. And then I started listening. Got I just, okay, I, could, gotcha. I consume a lot of content like Todd Millionaire, yeah. like bigger pockets. I just listen to, I eat, breathe, sleep, wolf sports and real estate. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. So I first got into listening to podcasts heavily mm-hmm. on about, I think last, last maybe March or April. And the first podcast I listened to seriously was the Black Wealth Renaissance. And that's back when they were first start getting started off. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those guys. And so what it did for me is that it opened me up to this whole Black Wealth movement that I had no idea of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that all this stuff was happening with Black mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, because of that, it, I learned about other podcasts and I found a lot of podcasts about black business owners, mm-hmm. black investors, kind of all mixed in one, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I'm t- this is literally what I did. I typed in black real estate into the Apple podcast mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, need, I want to find something just black real estate investors. Right. That's what I want to listen to. And I couldn't find anything. And I'm sure something else like that exists, but I just couldn't find it. What's up family. Thanks so much for listening. If you had any interest in starting a podcast, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to start, uh, you're on a limited budget, you don't know how to monetize, uh, Sam was nice enough to share with my li- listeners a, uh, a $10 promo code so you get $10 off his bundle package. His package is How to Start a Podcast on a Budget with No Experience. It includes an ebook and webinar. Um, so, actually, I'll put the link in the show notes and uh, for the promo code. Once you get to the site, you want to just enter in culture with a K. That's K U L T U R E. And that'll give you $10 off his bundle. Um, you can also find his bundle package by clicking his link on his Instagram bio. His Instagram handle is Black Real Estate Dialogue. If you haven't listened to that podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you listen to this one, make sure you listen to his as well. It's called Real Estate, excuse me, Black Real Estate Dialogue. And uh, thanks so much for your support. I appreciate you listening. Please subscribe um, so you can always, you know, find out whenever I drop new episodes. I drop new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, Also, spread the word. Sharing is caring. That's how, you know, Word of mouth is how, you know, it, it spreads in terms of people finding out about this podcast. Uh, please show me some love, a, a like, a share, uh, leave me a review. And uh, also follow us on Instagram at underscore the number four, the culture with a K. Again, that's underscore four, T-H-E-K-U-L-T-U-R-E. And uh, let's get right back into the show. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So I was on my friend's couch the guy who made my uh, logo and designed the book cover and all that stuff. I was sitting on his couch and I said, Hey man, what if I created a podcast about black real estate investors? He didn't have any context. He didn't know anything. And he said, do it. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So, you know, <laughs> we, started <going> back. <laughs> we started going back and forth on the logo. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. we started going back and forth on the logo. And I set a date. I said, all right, cool. I'm going to open it. I'm going to launch it on Columbus Day. I'm going to launch the Instagram page on September 14th. I don't know how I'm going to find guests. I don't know how I'm going to do anything, but I'm going to do it. This is a passion I have, and I'm just going to make it happen. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it kind of just went from there. And mm-hmm. uh, that was the purpose behind it. I didn't. I just spent hours researching and figuring out, um, you know, what the best thing, what what the best thing was. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, eventually, I found, I found out, I, I found a guest, and uh, you know. Initially, I thought hopefully the people who I know will listen to it, and mm-hmm. it's a way for me to document. It's a way for me to document um, my journey. It's a way for me to um, talk about journeys of other investors, um, and so you know that's kind of the reason that I started it. Okay, that's interesting. You said that because you know I, I feel as though coming from a wholesaling uh, background, I didn't get into buying holds until later, and I do. Like there's always, well, not always, I would say maybe post 2014, I got to the point, I was like, man, I consume, and nothing against, you know, white hosts and white people. It's just like, I would love to be able to relate to other people in real estate. And there was a, a lot of uh, wholesaling hosts. Well, I won't say a lot. That would be inaccurate. There was quite a few of black wholesaling um podcast but when it comes to actually real estate investing because a lot, of, a lot of people don't even feel like wholesaling is real estate investing which is true unless you own the asset you know you're basically just like you know capital gains and just flipping paper you're not owning anything um so i think it's important that we do have a, a podcast like yours for that normalizes not just black wealth but like normalizes home ownership i think that's that's key so thank you for that you definitely fill in that void for sure, for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what? What? For those people that's listening, they may have a nine to five job, and for them, like you're, like you, you know, they don't really, they didn't think it was realistic, you know, or it's like, oh, I need to have a million dollars, or I'm not rich. I, I think as a, us as a people, we always pick to say, oh, I don't have the money. If we really want something bad enough, we have figured it out. For those people that have some interest in real estate and investing, what are some ways that they can get started to make it or, or, uh, to make it realistic? Yeah, so I would say first look at down payment assistance programs in your area. You know, of course, there's you know FHA, there's NACA, um, but look at the things that are specific to your area. Look at the grants for investing in certain communities. Um, so that's the first thing I would say. Just look at what's out there, what's available in your community. And then second, I would say, take a look at your finances. Take a look at, you know, how you manage your finances, what you're wasting money on, how much you're saving. Um, that's something else I would say. Third, you know, that can only take you so far, just kind of saving and cutting stuff out. Third, I would say, figure out other ways to make income, whether that's trading options, whether that's having a vending machine business, whether that's um, being a mobile notary, whether that's doing affiliate marketing, whatever it is. There are a lot of ways you can make money, um, especially on the internet. So I would focus on those three things and then just learning as much as you can. You know, if you are somebody who learns visually, watch videos on YouTube or purchase courses that are affordable based on your budget. Um, if you are someone who processes information um, through hearing, um, listen to podcasts, you know, listen to people who are talking about what it is. You have to immerse yourself in it. Um, and after a while, you'll start to get comfortable um, and then, you know, you can start networking and, and mm-hmm. following people on social media, engaging there. Um, but those are a couple of things I would say, um, if you are starting from zero, like I, like I was starting from zero, you just got to get into it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you do those three things and a couple others I mentioned, mm-hmm. I think you'll be off to a great start and you'll just, and it'll, it'll click, you know, whatever is meant for you, whatever is going to be your way to get in, mm-hmm. it'll click if you continue to do all those things. No, that's rare. You got to hop off the porch. Sometimes you just yeah, got to jump it. in for sure. You know, like double dutch and they jump in. <laughs> it's like, just jump in and you'll take off, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but going back to a little bit about the um, out-of-state investing, a lot of people, we don't look beyond the parameters of which we live. The fact that you jumped off the porch is like, you know, I, I've never been in Dayton. I don't know anything about Dayton. I invest in Dayton. For those people that have fear of investing in a place that's out of state that they've never been to, 
um, I know for you, you used a turnkey and that probably gave you the comparability. Like, you know, was it, it was property management already locked in as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So for those that have fear or maybe they're not going to do prop, they're not going to do turnkey. Um, what can you speak to that in terms of, uh, investing out of state? Um, can they be their own property manager, you know, or can they, how else can they get boots on the ground? Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I've, been, I've, I've interviewed a number of guests who invest out of state, who've purchased total rehabs and who manage their own properties. Okay. Um, I, per I've, I know people who have done all of the above or some of the above. Okay. So you have to just, it's all up to what you're comfortable with. You know, some people are comfortable with, um, you know, just doing a good job and managing a rehab from long distance, which is very possible. You know, people will say you're crazy, but there's people who do it, you know, it's just yeah, a matter out of the gate too. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it could yeah. Be, but, but you know, there's, there's people who have boots on the ground and they have a certain way to do things. You know, you're going to send me videos on this date. You're going to send me pictures on this date. Um, you know, I have an alarm system on and I have videos in the house, so I know what's going on. So there's ways you can do it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, and you can also be your own property manager. You know, I, I know, I know one guy who I actually did an episode with, he has a house in Dayton. He's his own property manager. He communicates with the ten tenant directly. You know, he has handymen that he'll get to fix things if need be. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of people who self-manage from long distance. Um, okay. So it's really just a matter of what you're comfortable with. If you don't want to talk to the tenant or handle the screening or any of that stuff, you can hire a property management company. Okay. And, you know, they typically take eight to 10% of the gross rent, but they process the transaction. They process the payments. They send you the money. Between a certain date range, um, you know, any any request from the tenant, they take care of. Um, so that could be an option for you too if you don't want to deal with anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on what your level of comfort is and how involved you want to be in the day to day. No, yeah, that's right. I think that's good. I think everyone has to find out individually what type of investor they they want to be and what fits them because mm -hmm. everyone is different for sure. Um, so moving forward, I know you and your partner want to buy more properties in Dayton. Um, mm -hmm. I know you mentioned that you probably won't do turnkey again. So do you plan to be, serve as your own property manager? Um, so I still plan to have, plan to have property management, but okay. essentially like there are a lot of homes in like the 30 to, let's say 30 to 50,000 50, range that don't need anything that are rehab. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what we're looking at. Okay. Um, so the first property I got on my own and then, you know, just somebody I grew up with and he saw what I was doing and he said, you know, Hey, I want to invest with you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's what, that's what I lost the question. What was the question? Um, well, I was just asking do moving forward, are you guys going to, uh, be your own private manager? Oh, got it. Um, yeah. So I still plan to have property management. Um, okay. you know, there, there's some times where I'm like, you know what, maybe I might do it on my own or something, but I'm like, you know, I don't mind, um, paying a property manager, you know, which is generally, what do you pay? Is it 12%? Um, so usually eight to 10% of the gross okay. rent. So if let's say, you know, the rent is 900, you'll, they'll, they'll take 90 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they do all the work and hopefully, hopefully nothing breaks because that's when like they make their money on volume and repairs. Okay. Um, so, you know, property management companies, they're going to try to get as many properties under their belt. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, you know, there's a markup for repairs, right? There's labor costs and things of that nature. Um, so that's really where they make their money. But mm -hmm. you know, if you prop, if you have a property that doesn't need much and it's in good condition, mm -hmm. you're really not going to talk to them much. Like I don't talk to my property manager much. There's a couple of accounting errors that were made. Like, you know, money was off by a little bit here or there, but they always fixed it. They were always on top of it, but they, you know, they, they, they over communicate, which is good, but. I really don't talk to them, you know, the money well, so, is coming in. It sounds really yeah. seamless. It just, you know, that's, that's mailbox money right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's been a great experience. You know, it comes out, it, I usually get it on or around a certain day. The mortgage is taken out on a certain day and that's pretty much it. And they sent my tax forms and I mean, it's really hands off at this point. Yeah. Um, so hopefully things continue to stay that way. And, you know, the tenant, as far as I know, they're working, they're good, they're paying. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty seamless right now. Nice. Nice. Moving forward is, would it be strictly rentals or are you going to get involved in flipping? Strictly rentals. Yeah. I'm not really interested in flipping. Um, okay. if I did, I would probably be, you know, down the road, I'll be like on the lending side. So I might, you know, 
invest into a project, get a return back. But as far as like organizing my own flip, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the lazy money. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel you. I'm interested in the mailbox money. That's just yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but flipping is great. Like I've had, you know, I know people who do both, you know, who, who have a deal funnel and they figure out what to do with it. They might wholesale it or they might flip it or they might keep it. Um, you know, I'm not at that point yet where I have, yeah, yeah. A, you know, a deal pipeline where that presents me different options, but, you know, maybe one day I'll be in that position. Yeah, for sure. All you got to do is claim it. I know you're going to yeah. put it to action. Yeah. you make it happen. Okay, so uh, we are uh, coming up on just, wow, just under an hour here. Wow, see, yeah. when I get to talking, man, I can just be rambling. I know, I know, right? No, you're good. Um, I, it's time is passing by pretty slow. Yeah. So, okay, so tell me what you what you got going on. I know you just launched your ebook, so plug your stuff, man. What you got? What you into? Yeah, so a couple of days ago, I launched the pre-order of my ebook and webinar is called how to start a how to create a successful podcast on a budget with no experience mm -hmm. and the reason that i created that those products is because it took me so long to to figure out what i was doing you know and it was rough in the beginning right i was putting stuff out and i just didn't really know i didn't know how to upload my stuff anywhere you know there's a period of time when it was just on soundcloud because i was still trying to figure out how to get it on other places um, and you know, I just, it was a struggle in the beginning, but so, you know, what, and I've, I've, I've achieved some level of success. And so for me is I want to help other people. I want to help people. I want to help people start their podcast. So the ebook is kind of the, what, you know, it's everything I did a through Z to get to where I am today. And also it includes a lot of resources that someone could use to get off to a better start than me. And the webinar is the, how, how I implement things, you know, how I, uh, reach out to guests, how I, um, you know, create content um, to plug sales and things of that nature, um, how I organize myself and, and how you can organize, how, how a podcaster can organize themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, it's just kind of a guide. It's, it's, a, it's a way to help other creators. And um, that's really something that I'm passionate about. You know, I feel like there are people who want to hear what you have to say. You know, a podcast is a legacy. You know, there are people who will hear it years down the line. It'll out, it'll outlive you. You know, when you're, when we're not on the earth anymore, our podcast will still be here. People can listen to our voice and, yeah. you know, it's almost like music, you know, you never know what's going to hit in the future. Right. So Joe Rogan just cut a deal with Spotify and they're going to house 11 years worth of his podcast for like, I think a hundred million dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, 200, 200, 200 M's. Dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> that just goes to show you, like, you never know. I mean, you just never know what kind of opportunities to open up. And for me, it's opened up a whole world to me. It's opened up a nationwide network to me. It's opened up so many opportunities that I didn't even consider and didn't even know were, were possible before I started the podcast. So it's a feeling that I want others to feel. Um, and, you know, sometimes we don't do things because we don't know how. We don't have a guide. We don't have a resource. And so that's what I want this to serve as, you know. And uh, for me, making sales is great, but my success will come from having other creators um, come out of come out of this um, this product. Um, yeah. so that's, that that was the that's the whole uh, idea and reasoning behind it. That's great, man! Congrats on that. Like I said, you. you was inspired because I started after you, obviously, and then I was just like, man, this guy is just inspirational. Like, look at look at the success he's having already. So just it just goes to show you, you know. And I feel like you're filling a void, even with the with the ebook and the the e course. I just feel just so you know the fact that you're uh, taking it upon yourself to help those that, you know, have the same interest or want to get involved as well or start their own podcast. You know, I think that's, I think that's really cool, man, for sure. Okay. Um, so where can people find you at? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at black real estate dialogue on Twitter at bread podcast at B R E D podcast. Um, other than that, you can, you can email me if you want B R E dialogue at gmail.com. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. Be more than happy to talk to anybody or answer any questions. Uh, but yeah, I'm not Hollywood. I still <laughs> that. <laughs> That's a fact that you're okay. a real one for sure, man. Hey man. Hey, maybe down sometime down the line, we're going to have to collab. Maybe I bring my butt down a date and then we can do some, do some uh, hey, collaboration for sure. Let me know. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. Any last words here? We go wrap up here. Um, well, I would just say if there's something you want to do, just take action. You know, there's only so much research you can do. Um, experience is usually the best teacher. So do the best you can, whether you want to invest, if you want to start a podcast, if you want to start a business, if you want to 
look for a new job, whatever it is in life, if you want to learn a new skill, um, at some point you're going to have to take action. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be one of those people who are just sitting on the sideline for years and years talking about, I need this, I need that. You know, there are a lot of people who won't put a product out unless it's perfect. Mm-hmm. If you look at my post, if you hear my podcast early on, it's drastically different. It's gotten better over time. But you get better by doing stuff and not just sitting on the sidelines and being scared to put stuff out. So yeah. um, I would just implore everybody to just get out there. You know, you never know what will happen. Don't worry about what people have to say. Mm-hmm. They won't understand, but you'll find people who do understand. Um, yeah. So that's, that'll be my last words for, for everybody. Oh, that's golden. That's that's real. It'll be people that yeah. do understand. That's so true. You just got to get to your niche market and people that's you know, that's receptive to it. You know what I'm saying? Because they're people. That, they exist. You know. They do exist. I'm a living witness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's real. Oh, before we leave though, uh, yeah, you had uh, a promo code right for for your uh, ebook and e course. Um, yes. So I, I'm gonna just put that in the show notes for our okay. listeners. Um, cool. So we can make that happen. I appreciate you for that, man. But yeah, man, this has been great. This is this has been great. I uh, appreciate your time. And actually, you know, you are the lead-off guest for the Blacks and Real Estate series that I'm doing for For the Culture. So. Oh wow, that. that's that's amazing. Yeah, man, I appreciate wow. you. Wow, you chose a small fish to start off, huh? <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Yeah, man, you're good. Okay, cool, cool. So we gonna wrap up here, man. I appreciate your time and. Uh, he is Sam Docine. I said it right. <laughs> right? Sam Docine. Yes, you did. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. And I am Tate Jordan. This is episode four of For the Culture Podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. <laughs>